Hello, hello. Welcome back to the ACE podcast. I'm your host, Erica Chavez. And today we have a very special guest, Ty List. Woo! Yay. Hello. <laughs> so, so Ty is an environmental science major with a political science and biostatistics minor. Um, I guess the first question for you is just why environmental science? Mm. Well, um... Environmental science kind of stuck out to me because I really enjoy the sciences. Um, I came in as a political science uh, major, actually, and switched to environmental science through my freshman year. And I just realized when I was in my political science degree that I couldn't live without science. And I've always had a connection to the environment. I've always kind of like lived outside. Um, And so that's where my inspiration to work with the environment kind of came. And I'm also really passionate about renewable energy and uh, sustainable future uh, practices in <laughs> America. So that's kind of where I've, I've found my passion in environmental yeah. science, just because I care a lot about climate change and mm-hmm. those sorts of things. How was the switch from political science to environmental science? Would you say it was smooth or was it kind of difficult? Um, for me, I think it was smooth. Um, if you got a little bit more deep into the political science stuff, it'd be I think a bit a little bit more of a difficult switch, but there's a lot of environmental policy classes in SES uh, in the School of Environmental Sustainability, and um, it just makes it a lot easier to kind of switch over because there's an environmental policy degree that you can get as well. But I kind of stayed more along the like climate change path, and so it really mm-hmm. kind of crossed over well with the political science classes that I was mm-hmm. taking my freshman year. So then, I guess, why biostatistics as a minor? Mm. So that that kind of popped up when I was looking for new majors, when I decided that poli-sci wasn't for me. Um, I saw bioinformatics actually as a major and it always kind of like stuck around in the back of my mind. And then when I got to my sophomore year, I felt like I was missing like the numbers of Mm -hmm. like environmental science. I um, am and used to be really good at math. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't taken a math class in a couple of semesters now, so it's kind of like faded away, but like I was really good at math in high school and I was like, I think I need that extra aspect of college to come back out. And so um, biostats was the path that I took because you can relate it back to the, uh, the environment. It's just like life statistics. So you're applying statistics to um, human life, like human health, mm-hmm. things like that, and also just um, environmental impacts and things like that in the classes that I've taken so far. Um, so that was where it kind of came in and paired well with environmental science. Um, and also, like, I was interested in environmental health too, which is, I guess, a more focused part of environmental science and biostats goes really well with that, too. Mm -hmm. So with that, you used to work at the Loyola Biodiesel Lab. Um, If y'all don't know, the bio soap, um, the worst soap in the world. So sorry, Ty. Too liquidy. It's not correct. Smells weird. But Ty is the creator of that. No, I'm not. not. Ty used to work in the biodiesel lab. So you used to make the soap, right? Yeah, so the Biodiesel Lab does lots of, lots of cool stuff um, for Loyola. Uh, it takes a lot of waste products that are around um, in the community, but also through Loyola. So we take uh, the vegetable oil that is used to deep fry stuff here at the university in the dining halls and also um, restaurants around campus. Um, the, a certain company collects their um, vegetable oil that they use and brings it to the Biodiesel Lab for us to make into um, biodiesel or basically gasoline for the buses. And when you make that um, fuel for the buses, then you get the glycerin byproduct that makes soaps. So 
Um, we're able to do sort of two things in one in the biodiesel lab, and we make the soaps for the bathrooms as well. And they're not actually the worst soaps in the world. <laughs> That's a little bit of an overstep, I think. Um, but you said that there are essential oils in it. There are essential oils in it. They, they put smelly stuff in the soap. Okay, because I don't smell it. Well, get a better nose then. <laughs> <laughs> but, so yeah, so um, whenever you guys go to wash your hands now at Loyola, think of Ty and all the hard work he put into creating that soap. Yeah, it's also a really simple <laughs> soap too. Um, it's only like six ingredients that go into it. So it's, yeah. it's mainly a bunch of water to make it um, thin enough to go through this like soap dispensers. Um, but there's also the coconut oil in it. Um, there's also, what else goes into it? Uh, a couple of chemicals to make it, um, like work as a soap. It's just sodium, or not sodium, potassium hydroxide. And, um, that goes in there, uh, mixed with a little bit of water. Um, and that makes it a little bit more basic so it can clean your hands. But you guys made chapstick too, right? They used to make chapstick. There okay. Too, what yeah. happened with that? Um, what, no I just more? don't think it was a, a very viable product to, to, to sell to people. Nobody was really looking to buy uh, <laughs> chapstick from the biodiesel lab. And the soap's main, like, um, its main selling point is that, like, our entire university uses yeah. it. So um, that's where the, like, profit, I guess, comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the biodiesel lab actually makes money off of the soap too. Mm-hmm. So um, when the university buys it from the biodiesel lab, mm-hmm. it's what makes the... Um, biodiesel lab make a little bit of mm-hmm. of income okay um so then with that you are currently interning at the environmental protection agency yeah. would you say that you're technically an fbi agent for the plants <laughs> yeah <laughs> sure um as an intern there i definitely do a lot of work with plants um no, I am right now just an entry-level position. Um, shout out to Rakia if she's listening because she helped me get that position, just passing it um, down the chain of command into, and it found its way into the, like, the ACE program, and she passed it along to me. Um, it's just, just a student trainee position, so I just go there and I basically do uh, intern work for the EPA. But that is a place that I've um, kind of looked at for a job just because it's a really important part of um, how things are regulated in the environment. It's how like companies are regulated, and it's how um, the environment is protected here in America. So, given the name, but um, yeah, I do specific work with the Superfund Management Division um, in the EPA. So, that's a lot of jargon, and the Superfund really probably doesn't make much sense to anybody that's listening. But it's just basically land management, mm-hmm. um, is how it can be more simply put. Um, so, any sort of like toxins or chemicals that are being released into the um, soils they'll focus in on that part. Um, and I work in the emergency, emergency response section mm-hmm. of Superfund. So if there's a big um, like plant that catches on fire and they have a leak of chemicals in the environment, we'll go and be the first responders on the scene to, to take care of that emergency. Um, so hopefully I get to explore uh, a little bit out in the field more because that's what a lot of the work uh, there is. It's done by on-scene coordinators. So they go out and they're the ones that first uh, do the first assessment of the of the scene, mm-hmm. but um, hopefully I can sort of work my way into that aspect yeah. of the EPA because I think that's a really um, cool position to have. So does that also like, like with like companies like Starbucks, um, big companies like that, or like Amazon, mm. where they like cut off all the trees somewhere just to make like a giant warehouse or something? Mm. Do you guys like regulate that too? No, that, that wouldn't be my specific section, but the EPA would definitely um, have some effect on how much like space you can take up for an entire plant like that. Um, they would mainly focus in on like the toxins that you're releasing. Um, a lot of the time the EPA 
they'll focus in on how business op- businesses operate once you kind of buy your own plot of land. So like, let's say Amazon buys um, a part of a forest, mm-hmm. they can cut down the trees because they own that land now. So mm-hmm. sad that they, that they can do that. Um, but it's up to Wait, so choice. they can just buy anywhere and then just decide to cut up? I thought there was like a law. You can only cut down like X amount of trees a year. Uh, I don't, not that I'm aware of. Wait, Would they you? just buy it and they cut them all down? It's private property. You can do That's what you crazy. want. That's crazy. But um, the EPA does make it so that you can't release a bunch of gross mm-hmm. stuff onto your own private property. They, they're able to regulate with that. So they set the National Ambient Air Quality Standards, um, mm-hmm. which is uh, regulates like carbon monoxide, mm-hmm. um, sulfur oxides, the, like if they get released into the atmosphere from somebody burning coal. Like, mm-hmm. the EPA is able to regulate that and say, hey, you can't do that because yeah. you're burning and releasing too many greenhouse gases. So it's an important part of the regulating body having the yeah. EPA there. Yeah. So um, this winter break, you went to Belize, a study abroad <laughs> trip to Belize with um, other peer mentor, Ethan Bauer. Mm. How would you say your experience was and, like, how does that help you with your background in environmental science? Yeah, so that trip was super fun. It was through SES, uh, through the School of Environmental Sustainability. Um, so me and Ethan are both in that school, and it's a really unique trip. It's just a two-week uh, trip out to Belize. Father Minton runs the trip. He's um, basically royalty down there, um, <laughs> a super quirky <laughs> professor here at Loyola. Um, but he's extremely nice and uh, really does a great job of putting on a special Belize trip for the students. Um, so we do lots of bird watching down there. I was able to see some tropical birds, which was really cool, um, hike around a lot and learn about the flora and fauna down in Belize as well. I was able to swim in some coral reefs. Um, what else was I able to do? Pretty much everything that you can think of. I was able to explore all the different types of environments that are down there. Uh-huh. And it was just a super holistic experience in Belize. Really loved it. That um, was really fun. Yeah. How was the coral? Was it like really pretty down there? Yeah. I'd it never was. been in a coral reef. I'd never actually been under the country before. Yeah. Um, before going on this trip so it was a really um, beautiful experience to see spaces that I've never seen before especially the yeah. coral reefs that was something that really um, impacted me on the trip was just swimming in the water seeing all these like almost alien like coral <laughs> down there that like kind of like wave like they're in the wind but it's because of the waves yeah. underwater that sort of push them and make them flow around uh, all these weird looking fish mm-hmm. um, it's such a diverse environment space um, we even got to interact a little bit with um, some invasive species in the coral reefs too. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys have heard, they're pretty pop, like a pretty popular talking point. The lionfish that invade mm-hmm. uh, the coral reefs in uh, Central and South America. They're native to the Pacific Islands, um, so Pacific Ocean. They live out there in those coral reefs, but somebody brought them over, I think, to Florida as a pet, and they had to release them back out into the water. And now they kind of invaded the coral reefs and they prey on all of the um, small fish in there. Um, They're really, really poisonous, really dangerous animals too. So if you get close to them and they um, prick you with one of of their spines, they can um, cause a pretty bad sting. And I think they can actually kill you too, which is... Wait, one one person in Florida... Put one lionfish in the sea. There's multiple. Like they, oh, okay. they became like a, they became like a like a um, hot commodity to have as pets. And, and people were like, just getting rid of them. Yeah, like that okay. happens a lot with um, like the, they did that with boa or yeah boa constrictors. Yeah. Um, those really really big snakes. Uh-huh. Um, those were 
common as pets for a little bit and then they grew too big because they got them as babies and then they grew too big and they couldn't afford a, a big tank so they just were like all right i'll just release you out into the environment um, yeah. so that's how a lot of invasive species are brought into the uh, different environments mm-hmm. um, and the same thing with lionfish so i actually got to do a dissection on some lionfish really? too. That they, yeah they would go we we found some in a coral reef there were three of them all together and they went down speared them brought them out of the water so killed them right there. Um, that's really the what? only way to, to control the population, too, because they have no, no natural predator. Yeah. Nothing uh, is brave enough to eat something that can kill you really mm-hmm. quickly um, if you get caught by one of the spines. So the humans have to kind of take control, and they mm-hmm. killed it and brought it out and did dissections on it for us to watch, and they do research on the lionfish at the place we were staying. So um, that was a really cool experience to see. That's cool. Got to cut open a little um, lionfish, look at its heart. We got to see one that was pregnant, too. Um, really? Yeah, had, they have two ovaries per fish, uh, mm-hmm. per female. Um, so when they are ready to reproduce, they fill their ovaries with a bunch of eggs, and they had, can hold, I think what the guy said, was 300 to 1,500 eggs per ovary. So this yeah. one that we pulled, uh, the, this, this one that we dissected, yeah. um, and both its ovaries had around like 1,000 eggs in each. So They're like reproducing they fast. They reproduce really quickly, <laughs> and there's Jeez. not any way to control them besides humans. So it's a, a big issue in those mm-hmm. coral reefs. Yeah. Um, why should students consider studying abroad? Mm, I really think that you should study abroad and, and like any chance that you have. I know with me, it was really tough to find a full semester abroad because I have jobs and I have like, I had COVID that hit my sophomore year. So I really didn't have any right time to go a semester, uh, a whole semester abroad, but it just really makes it so simple and easy for you to travel when you get to study abroad. Um, especially on a trip like mine where basically I had all of my like plans set out for me and I was able to just go and have these great experiences. Um, and it really, I don't think, was, was that expensive um, in total to go abroad because mm-hmm. um, like any, any trip that you go abroad with, um, it's going to be really expensive. And right now when you're in college, you can even get scholarships to go yeah. abroad, which makes it even more financially, sta- uh, financially um, attainable. Yeah. So um, just... Going abroad and seeing new things is, I think, the per- it's the perfect time to do it in college because yeah. you're learning so much. Your brain is ready to absorb all this, mm-hmm. these new um, sites that you're seeing, this new information. And mm-hmm. it's really beneficial. Yeah, that's good. Um, why should we be concerned about our environment? Mm. And how can we as individuals make change? Um, first of all, you should be concerned with your environment because it is uh, like the habitat that we are living in. Um, yeah. I had a class here called Nature and Literature that really um, made me think about the environment a lot different because um, the professor, Professor Elizabeth Bailey, who this class is amazing. I love how she teaches the course. Um, I'm not a huge English-like class mm-hmm. person, and I really love this English class, so that speaks testaments to how good the class was. But um, she just spoke about how humans always kind of see themselves as being disconnected from the environment, mm-hmm. and I feel like that really changed how I thought about it because like we see animals and we see trees and we're like oh that's the environment and we're over here in Mm -hmm. the city by ourselves and we're separate from that but we're all a part of one big giant process and um, if we kind of get rid of the environment we're going to lose our own home too Mm -hmm. we're going to lose where we need to to live so um, we need to be able to protect that and find the perfect balance between humans and the environment so that we can kind of feel reabsorbed back into that space Um, so it's good to care about it you need to care about it, otherwise um, it'll kind of hurt the human life. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the second part of the question, too? How can we How can we change? help? Yeah. 
Um, so individually, um, we can't really do much if we don't get a collective yeah. being able to impact in the, on the environment. Um, because one person, um, you might not make a difference individually, but if you get a whole group of individuals doing a lot of things, um, then we can make an impact on the environment. So it comes with being an advocate um, out in like public spaces. So going out to vote, going out mm-hmm. and protesting when something um, negative happens to the environment or something yeah. like a, a bill might be passed to increase um, fossil fuel consumption or um, re- like decrease the amount of restrictions on greenhouse mm-hmm. gas emissions. That's something that we need to fight for. Mm-hmm. Um, there needs to be a collective sort of um, impact onto those spaces. Um, as for like shutting off your water while showering, um, I always kind of see those sort of initiatives that are like started by um, like, I guess like different types of movements as, yeah. um, I don't want to say like fake cause they do, they do make some impact, but the majority of like water use mm-hmm. and like major release of emissions aren't mm-hmm. going to be from your daily individual consumers. It's mm-hmm. going to come from like big corporations. So having an effect on how those corporations operate is going to change a lot of um, a lot of the impacts on the environment mm-hmm. that are going on. Um, I worked at a vegan restaurant in high school, mm-hmm. and although I'm not vegan myself, um, that's one way that like pe- people try to make an impact on the environment, and I think that's a, mm-hmm. a pretty um, sustainable way to uh, make an impact on the environment because... Um, the big meat companies, mm-hmm. they use a lot. They like if you're talking about water use, they use a lot of water to clean um, their meats. Mm-hmm. There's a certain amount of water that it takes to clean one pound of meat. I want to say it's around like fifty gallons of water. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna look it up right now because mm-hmm. I want to make sure I get my my facts right. Uh, so it's just it's like the large companies that are really affecting our environment. Uh, some yeah, yeah. Um, someone that's where it kind of starts. Um, I think that's kind of the, the head of the fish. Mm-hmm. So um, if you cut off the fish of its head, it's going to um, die. That's kind mm-hmm. of like the saying. Um, but So if you started the, the head of the fish, uh, it's going to be where it goes. <laughs> Can we cut that out? <laughs> We're keeping this. No. We're keeping the that head was not of a good analogy. Fish. Guys, the head of the fish, cut the fish off. <laughs> <laughs> we get you. We understand. Uh, yeah. We get you. That's the big part. That's the big part. Yeah, that's the, that's the big chunk. If you start there... Yeah. And you start an industry, um, and we change how industry operates, mm-hmm. it'll eventually work its way down, and it'll affect how the mm-hmm. individuals operate, yeah. and then make an overall greater impact on the environment. So, people don't have to go, like, completely vegan to, like, really make a change, just being more conscious about, like, where you're buying your meat from, how where much you, you're eating, and stuff like that? Yeah, be more conscious of, like, what, I feel like, companies are, mm-hmm. are being supported, um, and pay attention to, like... Um, how the political system is affecting the environment mm-hmm. too. I feel like are really important ways of, of making an impact. Um, Cause just like recycling on your daily life. I know um, in Europe, they have a lot, a lot better like structure set up to recycle. Mm-hmm. So like here we have to put in a lot of effort to recycle. So mm-hmm. if we got a better um, entire infrastructure set up mm-hmm. to recycle, I feel like then an individual person could have a lot more um, impact in the environment by recycling. But yeah. how it works for me, like um, back in Ohio, Mm-hmm. Um, we would have to, to recycle, my mom like sets up our own cardboard boxes. Mm-hmm. We have to put all the recycling in there. We have to sort it into like six different ones for mm-hmm. cans, um, plastics, 
uh, cardboards, and then we have to all take it somewhere to mm-hmm. recycle it. We have to go take it to these each individual bins that are like always in different areas. Yeah. Um, so it makes it really difficult to recycle a lot of the time. Um, if we just had a whole setup where like with trash disposal, there was mm-hmm. um, different different sets of setups of bins with like mm-hmm. one for compost, one for recycling, one for um, normal everyday trash to be thrown mm-hmm. away. That would help make an impact too. So getting those sort of systems in place is I think what really makes an impact to allow the individual to make more of an impact. Yeah, because like not all of it's like recycled, right? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um <laughs> also I got the stat now on what the one pound of clean meat. I knew it was a lot of, of water. I wanted to uh, I wanted to say a hundred, but I was um like scaling back in case I was way wrong. And I was way wrong, but I was in the wrong direction. Um Denverwater.org um, says that it takes approximately 1,847 gallons of water to produce one pound of beef. Uh, it's enough to fill 39 bathtubs to the top. That is crazy. Yeah. Have you seen where it, like, it takes like 100 gallons or something like that to make like almond milk? <laughs> have you seen that one? I have not. Almond milk's like bad. It's like not sustainable because it takes like so much water just to make a jug of it. Yeah. And if you think about how much one pound of beef is... Uh, your average yeah. pla- pack of like ground beef is going to be like two pounds, two and a half pounds. Four quarter pounders. Four quarter pounders. Right there from McDonald's. Yeah. That's, and that's a that thousand, gallons, thousand of water. gallons of water. That is crazy. So like those companies are still going to produce that amount of water no matter like yeah. if one person goes vegan. But if a lot of people go vegan or mm-hmm. a lot of people stop eating red meat every single day because mm-hmm. um, the red meat consumption in America is just so high. Yeah. Um, that then that could really make an impact because they're going to just have this excess amount of meat Mm -hmm. and then they're going to have to scale back production eventually because they're just wasting money. Um, So, or also regulating them more, um, regulating the um, sort of big meat industry, that type of thing, being able to to lower their their water consumption or not allow them to use these certain setups called concentrated animal farming operations, Mm -hmm. abbreviated to CAFOs. Mm -hmm. Um, They produce a lot of waste in the environment because they basically put like a bunch of chickens or a bunch of pigs in a really like like one square mile they'll have like yeah. hundreds of thousands of animals and it just like creates a lot of waste production uh-huh. and um creates a lot of uh, greenhouse gas emissions just from having everything so concentrated in a small area so being able to spread that out would help a lot with the amount of production too i saw something it was a i can't i think it was it's a show mm. zach efron's on it cool wait do you know what the show is maybe I'm going to Google it. Okay. It's like environmental environmental show. Okay, it's called Down to Earth with Zac Efron. There was an episode on it where it was like, okay, it's it's season two, episode two, I'm pretty sure. If you guys want to go watch it, mm. they like showed like these big sustainable farms that they yeah. had. And it's crazy like how much work has to go in just to make it sustainable. Mm-hmm. And I remember them talking about like when they have all these like cows and pigs and like just like a little scrunched up lot Mm -hmm. they eat all the grass and the grass just dies like that land dies so there was this woman on here who has her like the most sustainable farm Mm -hmm. in america or something right she like has to rotate them out on her land and i thought that was so cool and then they also have a restaurant there where like all the food is made in their farm Mm -hmm. Guys, go watch that episode. Well, finish listening to this <laughs> podcast first. But that episode, I remember watching that and I was like, this is crazy. Because you never, like, I didn't even know. That's crazy. I yeah, don't think we, about things We like went that. to a place like that in Belize. Yeah. Um, we went to a sustainable shrimp farm because um, shrimp farming is really big 
in Belize. Okay. Um, and usually how they do it, they do those concentrated animal yeah. uh, operations where they put all the shrimp into one pond and they basically run that pond dry of all of its like nutrients and yeah. they pack the shrimp in there and the shrimp have to produce waste so the water becomes super dirty because they uh-huh. have a bunch of shrimp in there um, and they raise them for a couple of times and then they get rid of that wastewater by just throwing it into a river yeah. um, and then they take the shrimp and they go and then they move to another pond mm-hmm. um, because you can't reuse that same pond because it's all like uh, yeah. gross and dirty and it's tapped of its nutrients and uh, the cleaner the water is for the shrimp the yeah. actual better shrimp you'll have um, so we got to see some shrimp in mm-hmm. uh, when we went to our sustainable farm uh, shrimp farm that we went to and the shrimp yeah. were super super clear because they run super clean water and they just rotated their um, shrimp ponds every mm-hmm. few years uh, or every few, few months I think and they pump the water and do a new one mm-hmm. they clean it they run it through like a filtration system so um, it's really easy to make these sustainable farms it's just there's not as much profit because yeah. uh, it's more of a short-term solution for you to have those concentrated animal farms mm-hmm. um, but if you make it more sustainable it's more um, economically beneficial over the long run so mm-hmm. lots of companies don't do it because they want the short-term benefits rather than yeah. thinking about like long-term gain and how they're in the long term going to affect the environment it's all a very mm-hmm. short um, thinking yeah during covid i got really into salmon okay like crazy into salmon every like breakfast lunch and dinner snack salmon yeah. right mm-hmm. whole house smelled like salmon great but I remember talking to a friend, and I was like, I'm really into salmon now, y'all. Like, get out of this chicken stuff. Like, let's eat the salmon. Then she showed me this video of, like, these giant salmon in these big ponds, and they have, like, holes in their stomach and stuff like that because they, like, overbreed them or something, or, like, they're in, like, these Mm. nasty things, water. Is it like that, like, with the shrimp? Yeah, that'd be pretty similar. How do we make sure that, like, food, like, fish and salmon that we're eating is, like... Because what's, like... Okay, I don't know the difference between, like, wild-caught... Fresh, like I don't know what that is. I haven't done much research on that, but I know a lot of the packaging labels um, are kind of misleading. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of there's a lot of greenwashing that happens in the food industry and the clothing industry, Mm -hmm. where people will use those phrases like wild caught um, or like cage free chickens. Mm -hmm. Um, Those sort of terms are used, and they're not really like. They're just trying to mislead you, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure what the difference is, but in the, in the salmon, like, wild-caught names are. Yeah. I, I did learn a little bit about, like, the chicken. Like, there's cage-free. Mm-hmm. There's, like, free-range. Um, yeah. And there's a bunch of other things. Like, I know cage-free just means they're not stuck to a cage. They can walk around yeah. their little, like, one-inch, <laughs> like, area. They, they're in those, like, concentrated yeah. animal farms. So there's uh, really a lot of different ways to... Um, to label it, and mm-hmm. companies are really creative in how they label it to make it seem like you're yeah. having more of an impact than you are. Yeah, because my mom swears that we have to eat the cage-free eggs, <laughs> but I tell her like I don't think it makes I don't think that it makes a difference. So I guess really just educating ourselves on what those words mean. Yeah. So, what do we have next? You've been a mentor for Ace for three years. <laughs> it's been a long time, yeah. That's a lot. A little bit. What have you learned? Mm. Um, being a mentor, I've really learned a lot about how to connect, I think, one-on-one with people. Mm-hmm. That's a skill that you have to develop because you got to have your one-on-one meetings mm-hmm. with your mentees. I hope all my mentees are listening to this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make them listen okay. to it during our one-on-ones. They it's need to. It's going to play in the background. Mandatory. Loop. Yeah. Um, but it just also made me... Um, know myself value a lot more because mm-hmm. you can really have an impact on people in this position um, when you're given 
like a small amount of trust or a small amount of leadership, mm-hmm. I, guess, I, I feel like I have been, uh, I've gotten in the peer mentor position. It's made it really easy for me to grow in my confidence and grow in my mm-hmm. um, personability with others. It just made me feel a lot more comfortable. Yeah. I think. What would you say to maybe some of the mentees right now that are kind of putting their toe in, want to be a little mentor or something? How would you say they should go about it? Um, step one is get involved in the ACE mm-hmm. program. Um, if you're somebody that doesn't ever really come around, um, I feel like what the staff looks for when they're hiring peer mentors is people that are committed to the ACE program and show that they care. So being here in the lounge, um, we're in the lounge right now, by the way, <laughs> Literally. on a Saturday. So, um, we're always here basically. Yeah. Um, but doing that, not, not, not a Saturday. Don't come in here on a Saturday. Michelle's but here on a Saturday. She y'all. is. Yeah. She put in the work. She does. We love Michelle. Um, all the work she puts in is amazing. We really but, do. Um, yeah, be, going to events too. Yeah. Those are really important. Just making yourself um, present in the ACE program will mm-hmm. be step one. Because then you'll be more connected to the program and you'll know what it needs. Yeah. Uh, so when you interview, you can be like, oh, I feel like we can improve in this area. Mm-hmm. And then um, that'll give you, I think, the best shot at coming, yeah. uh, becoming a mentor. We, I like to say that like ACE is what you like put into it. Mm-hmm. Like You're not going to get anything out of it unless you like go to the events. and. Right. Spend time really getting to know everyone here. Mm. What do you say to maybe some of the juniors or seniors that have kind of lost their way with Ace a little bit? Um, what would you say to them? Um, I don't know. I would, I would, I would push them to remember if they ha- if if they have good memories of Ace. I would, I, I would hope they do, yeah. especially with like STP my freshman year. Yeah. Um, but think of the good times that you've had in the Ace program and kind of come back to those. I senior year is always a time to be really nostalgic so mm-hmm. I'm thinking a lot right now about just like each individual year of college I was like oh I remember this great memory that I had yeah. for my freshman year or my junior year so remembering those moments and coming back to kind of try and revisit those and get another yeah. hit before you before you leave uh, I think would be my advice just to mm-hmm. come back and get involved one last time because even as an alumni there's some pretty cool stuff that you can do in the ACE program too um, get free food I'm doing STP stuff. I'm 100% planning on coming back as an alumni. So Mm -hmm. hopefully for the students that are listening to this, um, hopefully you guys see me around for the next few years at big events that I'm invited to um, because I'd love to come back. But yeah. Yeah. So for me, college right now, I feel like I'm still a kid. Right. I'm like, I'm still a teenager. Like I still got time. Yeah. This is like the last stretch for you. This is the (laughs) end like how you're gonna have a a big kid job like a grown adult job how does it feel coming to the end are you excited are you nervous uh obviously a little bit of both mm-hmm. um I used to make all right I still make the joke um but if you know me I always say that I'm like 16 because I, I I felt like all throughout <laughs> college I was like oh, I'm just at a summer camp I'm just at a yeah I'm just at a little camp for a few weeks and then I'll be I'll be I'll be good to go back home to my mm-hmm. my nice bed but I live here now, so I'm not going back <laughs> home. Um, uh, so it's been a, a kind of a, a shock the last, like, pretty much over the summer was, I think, mm-hmm. the, the moment that was a big shock. Because I was like, oh, I have to get, like, a like a job. I have to establish mm-hmm. myself. I have to figure out how I'm going to get a career mm-hmm. in environmental science. So um, it's really nerve-wracking doing all of that. It takes a lot of work um, to figure out where you want to go after you graduate. Um, finding a job, finding internships, stuff like that. It's pretty much a full-time job, too. You don't really get a break because you're kind of always doing it. So it's really stressful to do that. But um, I feel really confident where I'm at. Uh Um, I've went through a lot of adversity, I feel like, 
um, mm-hmm. throughout college, and I've always kind of come out um, better on the other side. So mm-hmm. having that trust in myself that I um, know that I'll at least be able to um, find a position that I really like, um, or at least put in the work to get there, because mm-hmm. um, that's kind of what I've done all so far throughout college, and I just trust myself through that. So that gives me a lot of um, security yeah. in graduating, just trusting that I'll eventually figure out how it works out. It wasn't plugged in the entire time. The mic has not been plugged in the entire time. What the heck? Okay, we're just going to have to hope and pray that this audio is good. Maybe. If not, we can record again. Okay. Uh, should, we, should we pause it and, okay. and check guys, the audio? Guys, we'll be right back. Audio check. Okay, guys. It's, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. The mic was not plugged in. You can hear me sniffling a couple times. Mind your business. It's cold out here. It's cold out here. Snowing a couple inches today. <laughs> okay, so we were talking about being peer mentor and ace and all that. Yeah. Um, something that I really want to ask everyone, um, just because I feel like it is such a big moment for everyone in ace, your first retreat. Mm. So this next retreat will be your last retreat. How many retreats has that been? Uh, this will be my fifth retreat because mm-hmm. we did two last year, and this will be our second one this year. I was only able to go on the one my freshman year. Mm-hmm. Um, sophomore year we had one that was online. I did not Damn. go, I don't think, no. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this will be my fifth retreat. It's been uh, a, a long experience with retreats. I don't know. Yeah. I, uh, I feel like for your guys' class, uh, I guess the sophomore class now, and the newer classes, their fall retreats really had a, a big impact on them. Um, my fall retreat my freshman year just really made me more comfortable with, like, other people in ACE. I had, like, my two or three friends that I met during STP. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I feel safe and, like, comfortable with mm-hmm. these people. And, like, everybody else, they're just, like, people that are in ACE. I'll yeah. wave to them when I walk by. But um, when I went to that retreat, I really felt like I got to know um, mm-hmm. a couple more people. Um, it takes me a little while to, like, warm up to people, I feel like, mm-hmm. when I am making friends with them. So that retreat really helps a lot. All the retreats help a lot because you spend a whole weekend with yeah. <laughs> these 30 people. And so you get to know them uh, a lot better because it's – I guess, like, 48 hours straight of just, like, yeah. talking to these people. So it's a, a really good experience uh, to go mm-hmm. to as many as, as you can. Um, and they've really made an impact on me. Cried at the last retreat. <laughs> Probably, hopefully, not going to cry at this next one. Um, um, well, you made me cry. Oh. So that you was made me really cry. Emotional. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes, go to the retreats, guys. Um, that's really where you meet your friends, especially if you're a freshman. I think that that fall retreat is really what solidifies you. Like, if you decide to go to the retreat, I feel like those are the people that are, like, in ACE, you know? Yeah. It really brings you together. It brings you together. That's when you that's when you buy into ACE, I yeah. think. When you go to those bigger events and you really yeah. um, are able to, to have such an immersive experience mm-hmm. with the program, I think that's when you really get connected. Um, and once you're hooked, I feel like, with ACE, you don't really ever, like... You can't leave. You're you can't. Stuck. You can't fully leave. No, you're always kind of around, always stuck with it. Michelle. Sure. Michelle grabs you and reels you in. <laughs> so. Michelle is number one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so retreat STP mm. was your last STP last summer. You'll be back this summer though as a little guest star. Maybe. Hopefully for the next. Hopefully STP. you guys have the alumni back for STP. That it could be my my fifth mm-hmm. STP running. Um, never missed an STP. Um, my freshman year SDP was a uh, was huge for me because mm-hmm. I felt so nervous coming in um, from an out of state student. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even think anybody from my high school or my area that I knew was 
going in this direction to go to college. They were yeah. all either staying in Ohio or going to like the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And so I was very alone out here um, in Chicago. And it just really made me feel a lot more comfortable that at least I'll have something to lean on here. Um, I'll have some people that have got my back. Mm-hmm. And I was able to use that as a jumping off point to really um, do a lot better in college. And I think I would have if I wouldn't have had Ace. Mm-hmm. Um, so STP made a big impact on me then. And that was a big reason for why I wanted to become a mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, when I submitted my application, I submitted to be a peer mentor and an STP intern. I was mm-hmm. like, I want to get one of these two positions because yeah. STP was so so big for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and Roy was kind of like, you can, we'll just interview you for the, for the peer mentor job. And I was yeah. like, okay. Um, and so being able to participate in STP every year um, and let me, letting me bring the energy every year to hope that students can have the same experience during their STPs um, was, was big for me, um, being a peer mentor. And mm-hmm. it's just a special event that I, I feel like I put in a lot of work to make STP special for mm-hmm. students. Do you know when applications come out for like the new ACE jobs? Yeah, so the new ACE jobs, the applications should come out around either really late February or early March. They're usually due around spring break. Yeah. Um, so just have your cover letter, have your resumes ready. Mm-hmm. You can start prepping for them now if you, if you know what position you want and you kind of have an idea what you want to write about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be just like a resume cover letter and then you go to the interview. Um, and that's how you yeah. become a, a, an ACE peer mentor and, or get any ACE position, an ACE ambassador, marketing, um, social media. Um, don't come for my job. <laughs> what are we hiring for? Because can they, like, apply for anything or just the ones that we're hiring for? Um, I would assume what, uh, whatever positions are put out, yeah. you would apply for those. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot. They do give you a list. They, yeah, they, yeah, there is a list, a list that usually goes on with yeah. uh, on the email. Um, I know for positions like lead peer mentor, priorities typically given to previous peer mentors yeah. just because you've already got familiarity with mm-hmm. the, with the position um with what's going on so um with those type of positions you might have a little bit less of a chance of getting those but mm-hmm. they're ones that take a little bit more but um, we are experience. losing six are losing peer, six mentors. peer mentors so we're left with taylor and ethan they're gonna hold down the fort we're putting we trust them guys though mm-hmm. they can do it they will but we are so are they hiring six more we don't know they're just going to hire to what we need. Uh, they're going to hire to what we best need. I think mm-hmm. my freshman year, there was like eight or there was, I think, nine or ten yeah. mentors um, in the whole mentoring setup. There was a lot more than I think we had yeah. um, for these last few years. But we kind of stuck with eight as like the, the good number, yeah. um, the, the I guess the, the Goldilocks number. So they might hire more for next year. Yeah. Depends on um, what we feel is best. Like this year, we had a really... Um, unconventional setup with the two different types of lead peer mentors with our programming leads and our yeah. admin leads if you guys have heard those terms thrown around so positions are always open to mm-hmm. change and the different roles are always open to change um so it's just kind of what we see best fit for the for the next school year works yeah. so there could be 10 next semester there could be six i don't think there would be six i'd be insane <laughs> but um yeah so apply apply apply, apply. if you want to be a peer mentor definitely apply um, doesn't hurt to, yeah. to always apply, throw your name in the hat. Um, and if you don't get the position, now you've got the, at least the experience interviewing and got the, you can, mm-hmm. Michelle will definitely give you feedback for, um, yeah. why they chose a different direction. So you can then apply for it the next year. And if you work in another position in, in ACE, then you can use that as a jumping off point to become a yeah. mentor. So, um, yeah, don't stick yourself in one box, put your, put your eggs in 
many different baskets. Apply to a lot. Apply to a lot. I, when I applied, I had applied for a peer mentor and then social media. But then I had 30,000 quadrillion ideas to do for social media. You did. So last minute, I was like, Michelle, like, I don't think I want to be peer mentor, you know? <laughs> as much as I would love to be peer mentor, guys, like, yo, I can't give this up. Like, no. I just can't see someone else do it or not do it the justice that I, you know? Because we're still trying to grow and I want it to be like, I want it to be 15 times more bigger than it is right now, you know? you still got plenty of ideas to, to Too to many. Do. Too yeah. many. Um, speaking of that, we're trying to get us to 1,000 followers this semester, guys. <laughs> we are at, here, let me pull it up. Let's see what we're at right now. A little shameless plug mid-pod. Shameless plug, follow the Instagram. Make your parents follow the Instagram. If they don't have an Instagram, make them an Instagram. We have 788 followers. Nice, that's that's one more than... Than, than last time. Yeah, last time I checked. <laughs> so, what, is that like 220 we need more? I don't want mm-hmm. to do math. Yeah. So, 220 more. You all know 220 more people. It was 788, almost 210. 210. Yeah. There we go. Um, so, yeah. I did, I did want to talk about how you're a tour guide, though. Mm. Rumor has it. Rumor has it. Rumor has it. Sama oh. is the one that suggested you become a tour guide. But you always say that you're the one that got Sama the tour guide job. If y'all don't know, Sama Muhammad is also a tour guide here. I never said I got Sama the job. Oh, okay. I said Sama was my apprentice. Because she shadowed me. Oh. Yeah. But you only got the job because Salma was going to hire for it. I got the job because Michelle sent the notification out in the listserv. Okay. And Salma wanted to become a tour guide um, for the fall last semester. Uh-huh. And she talked to Michelle and Michelle went down to undergrad admissions and asked. And they said, no, but we're hiring for the summer. And then she sent it out. And you got hired for the summer. I did. So it sounds like you got the job because of Salma. Um, no. Voting poll will be on the Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Um, so yeah, do you have anything else you want to talk about with us? No. Any shout outs? Shout out to Any goodbyes? all my mentees, all years. Aww. They're the best, every single one of them. Sa- Taylor, uh, if y'all don't know, Taylor and Ethan was, was Ty's mentees. Mm-hmm. So by the looks long, of it. Long, a long family tree of mentee. You, you're... We'll, we'll call it a house. Okay. Or, or like we're in a fraternity, okay? Yeah, okay. Your house yeah. has the most mentee, mentors. Yes. You, okay. can call it, you can call it a Frada's house, too. Because Frada was my mentor. Okay, a Frada's house. Um, and a Frada, her mentees were me and Fatima. Yeah. Um, so me and Fatima both uh-huh. um, were a Frada's mentees. And then we both became mentors. Mm-hmm. And then I got Taylor and Ethan. Or they didn't really get them anything. They did yeah. it all themselves. Um, they, were, they were really independent their freshman year yeah. anyway. They didn't really lean on me that much as a mentor, so um, kind of just by luck, I got uh, yeah. the, the, the family, <laughs> the, the house to grow a bit more. Yeah. But they'll be a mentor next year, mm-hmm. or they'll, they'll be mentors next year, and they were this year, so uh-huh. hopefully one of their mentees becomes. Yeah, so listen up mentor. to Taylor and Ethan's <laughs> mentees. Keep the legacy going, keep the chain going down, keep it going. And maybe some of my mentees will become mentors too. Yeah. So. I don't want to say this is your goodbye, mm. but this is this podcast is gonna be here forever. Yeah. So say say your goodbyes, say your thank yous. Um, I just want to say a big thank you to everybody that's been in the ACE program. Oh. Um, no matter how big or small your contribution was, um, you've made an impact on the program. You made an impact on me. Um, I wouldn't be where I'm at today without the ACE program. I'd probably be going to a small, tiny little college in Ohio somewhere because I would have transferred out. Um. Because when things got tough, 
Ace was the place that I came to to lean on and get me through it. So mm-hmm. use Ace as your rock. Um, I think I've said that a couple of times when I've had to talk to students or mm-hmm. uh, do a tour or give a speech at a banquet. Ace is the rock that I've leaned on all throughout college, and um, it's a great rock. It's the best rock I've ever had. <laughs> so um, lean on it and use it to help you better yourself um, because it's a, it's a wonderful resource and it's the best part of Loyola. Mm-hmm. So speaking as Ace and mm-hmm. not as Erica, thank you, Ty. We love you guys. We love you so much. We really do. Mm-hmm. You are an inspiration. You are a legacy now, basically, to all the mentors right now, but including Ty, especially because you're here with me right now. Mm. You are a legacy. Um, I think we should get a photo of you to put it in the lounge somewhere. Yeah. We should start a legacy wall. <laughs> no. Yeah, I think we should. No. But anyways, thank yeah. you for your contribution. You've yeah. done so much. And when I came in as a freshman, like you and your like group of peer mentors at the time, that was ace. Mm-hmm. And you guys still are ace. And we well, to the next freshmen that are coming in, we're mm-hmm. going to tell them all about you guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you for all that you do for us because we do see... How hard you and the other mentors work. Yeah. It is a lot of work yeah. you guys put in in time. Yeah. And I'll also always be the tallest redhead ever. Nice. Tallest redhead? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I did have my hair red for a little bit, so yeah. I don't know about cutest redhead. I didn't say cutest. Okay. Well, I got cutest redhead when my hair was red. Okay. Now I guess you can have it. All right. Yeah. I'll take it now. Okay. Okay. Um, thank you for being here, Ty. Thank you. Um, if y'all want to be on the podcast, just let me know. If you don't, it's okay, too. But <laughs> <laughs> I want more people on here. This is fun. Tell them, the, tell them how much fun you had. I had loads of fun. Loads it's just, of fun. It's just a, a good talk with Erica. We're people not... love talking with me. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for coming. Mm-hmm. See y'all later. Mm-hmm. Hope to see y'all in the lounge. Follow our Instagrams. Thousand followers soon. Thousand followers coming to you soon. Bye.